1: Dose of Leadership podcast, episode 231.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome, welcome.
1: Richard Ryerson with Dose of Leaderships. Thank you for tuning into the show. So happy you're here. As always, this is the show where we talk about leadership. We focus on leadership. We have conversations about leadership. We bring people on the show So it can help all of us in our leadership journey because it is important for all of us. It's central to everything that we do. Everything literally rises and falls with leadership and that's why it's so important. And hopefully this show is one of the many resources out there that you can use to help you along your leadership journey. Because you hear me say it on every episode. There's somebody right now looking to you for influence and guidance. doesn't matter what position, what title you have. Somebody is looking to you right now. So think about how impactful you can be if you set about to be intentional about your influence. And to do that, it's about adding value to everybody you come in contact with. And that takes work. It's easy to understand, but it takes a tremendous amount of work. Trust me, it's something I have to think about every single day. Sometimes we fall up short, but we keep pressing on. We keep driving on because it's about adding value to other people's lives hey a lot of exciting things happening here at dose of leadership i got a brand new show coming out i'm excited to bring to you out of the mud i'm going to launch it september 8th it's a show where we talk about we bring people on the show about something we all have in common it's how we deal with adversity it's something that all of us are going to have to deal with we can't escape it we all share it things are going to happen to us We're going to be thrown in the mud. And so I'm always fascinated by that story of how people make that choice to pull themselves out of the mud. What happens to them when they pull themselves out of the mud? They become transformed, right? And what happens in that transformation? We're different. It shapes us. It's it's who we become. And when we look back at our lives, it's all those moments when we pulled ourselves or we chose to pull ourselves out of the mud. that shaped us who we are actually are. We all have the potential to be the hero of a great story, but it's our choice, and that's what we're going to highlight in Out of the Mud. So check it out. You can go right now to outofthemud.tv. It's a .tv. Outofthemud.com was taken. I'll get that eventually when it gets big enough, but outofthemud.tv is where it is at. You can find the promo video there. You can sign up on the email mailing list to stay informed. So more things to come on that. All right. Oh, I'm so excited to have this next guest on my show. This was when I launched Dose of Leadership. Again, this was one of the bucket lists of individuals when I sat down on that December 17th in 2012 thinking about this show and who I'd want to talk to. And Darren Hardy was one of those individuals. If you haven't connected or looked up Darren Hardy stuff, you need to do that today. Go to DarrenHardy.com. And he's got a wealth of resources. For leadership, for entrepreneurship. His book, The Compound Effect, was huge for me. I love his latest book, The Entrepreneur Rollercoaster. If you're an entrepreneur or not, there's great leadership tidbits in there. And if you are an entrepreneur, Darren Hardy has to be on your list. He is the visionary force behind Success Magazine. He is its publisher and founding editor. He's been a business leader in the success industry for over two decades. He's got this unique and kind of unfettered access to the most successful people on the planet. He's what I want to be doing. He's an inspiration for me, He's he, but he does it on steroids. I mean, he's talked to Richard Branson, Steve Jobs, Warren Buffett, Donald Trump, Howard Schultz, Charles Schwab, and the list goes on and on. And he does that because just like on this show, he wanted to uncover the secrets to their success and he reveals it, and he shares it to us. That is the mission behind Success Magazine. Darren also was a mentor and coach to many of today's high performing CEOs, advising many large corporations, and he sits on the board of several companies and nonprofits. He's a highly sought after keynote speaker. Amazing to see! I can't. I would love to see him live. He's a media contributor and the New York Times bestselling author of, as I mentioned, The Compound Effect and Living Your Best Year Ever and The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster, which you have to read. You just have to read it. He's got a brand-new landing page out there. He's launching here in a few weeks or soon a uh, progressive white paper and video ser- series to uncover the eight tragic mistakes most entrepreneurs make and how you can avoid them. And you can get that and go there at 8 I highly recommend that you check that out. Anyway, without further ado, you're really going to love this conversation. He's a great conversationalist, great tidbits, great content in this uh, interview. It's one of my favorites. So without further ado, here's Darren Hardy from Success on Dose of Leadership. Well, Darren, what an honor to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership,
2: Richard. Pleasure to be with you and your audience.
1: I got to tell you, right out of the gate, I love entrepreneur roller coaster. It comes to me personally at a at a perfect time. You know, I've I've been on this journey uh, with this show, and uh, I still have a golden handcuff as a professional pilot at uh, at a company here in town. But uh, pursuing this entrepreneur dream has been personally for me sometimes lonely and sometimes. Uh, um, kind of scary. In your book, Entrepreneur Roller Coasters coming at a good time. Tell me a little bit about uh, the genesis of it.
2: Well, for for the reasons that you just stated, um, most people see people on the cover, Success Magazine or Forbes or Fortune or um, – bloomberg's icon shows and they they see all these fantastic success stories and and they they desire to 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 be that you know great success and to maybe venture off into entrepreneurship but what they don't realize is what they're really walking into it is uh definitely one of the most scary frightening um You have to stare at your uh self-identity and self-image in the mirror um quite acutely. You you're getting criticisms, maybe rejections and and feelings of um unacceptance (laughs) uh when you enter it. And it could be very dark and it could be very lonely. Um and that's the uh that's the downside of of the process of entrepreneurship. Um and nobody really talks about that. And and one of the things that uh, the reason for for writing the book uh, as publisher of success magazine i'm i'm really not in the business to just go out and, and write books and that's not my business is is being right. an author but but i do it to, to champion what i think is a, a really important mission right now and that is to try to turn around the failure rate for small business owners for entrepreneurship because statistically 66% of all those people that finally muster up the courage to break the <laughs> to break those golden corporate handcuffs and separate from the herd and, and go into uh, business for themselves, two-thirds of those fail. And, you know, those aren't just statistics. Those are families. Those are people's futures. Those are people's uh, security. And to me, it's unacceptable, and it is a travesty It needs to be turned around. And when I did uh, – we talked about before we started this, this call, we commissioned a big uh, white paper report, you know, what are the reasons why most entrepreneurs fail, and then with those reasons, how can we help uh, turn around those statistics and prevent some of this failure and empower them into success? But when, I, when we did the research, w- what I found was startling. I mean, all the previously reported reasons and assumptions for the failure rate, whether it be capital or location or credit or inventory management right. or competition or technology, were wrong. And failure was not really due, for the most part, to outside factors. They were due to internal factors. They wow. weren't economic. They were emotional and it was the unexpected and terrifying emotional roller coaster in entrepreneur right. experiences. That's the greatest factor to why most quit and ultimately fail. But it, it doesn't have to, to be that way if they only knew what was ahead. I'll, I'll give you an example. A friend of mine is the CEO of a large uh, company in Salt Lake City, and he's Mormon. And we're talking about the trials of entrepreneurship. And he says, you know, it's a lot like when I was 18 and I was going to be sent on mission and I was going 4,000 miles away. And he says, you know, that was scary for me because I'd never been outside of Salt Lake City. I'd barely (laughs) been removed from the bosom of my mother. And here I was going to be sent 4,000 miles away to a foreign country. And the elders brought me in. They sat me down. And they told me every ugly, nasty, horrible, wretched thing that people might say about our religion, about me, about me being in their country. And he said, thank God they did. Because (laughs) if I'd gotten 4,000 miles away and I'd heard these things for the first time it would have devastated me. I right. would not t- known what to have think thought and I and I I would have gone screaming home probably never to return to the uh, to the religion to, or, or <laughs> what have you. And but instead when I did get 4000 miles away and when somebody said those things and I feelings and experienced those circumstances I, I was able to point at them and say, "Oh my god, you said it just like they said you'd say it. Isn't that funny?" He was emotionally Bulletproof. He was prepared. He had been warned. And so now when it happened, it was expected and normal, not something completely out of the blue. And so that's that's really kind of the main impetus of of the the book, The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster. It is to warn you and prepare you for the emotional journey that you will take. And then obviously important to equip you, because you need you need some real world skills that are really not taught in school, and they weren't part of your upbringing. Because remember, right. 90, 90% of the population are employees. And the people who are raising children, 90% of them are employees. <laughs> right. and so you don't really have the, the, the conditioning um, and experience or even reference or witness to what the skill sets are to be an entrepreneur that are unique than what it takes to be successful in a corporate environment, and and so that's that's the other part of the the purpose of the book is to to not only warn and prepare and to um, b- have you become emotionally fortified, but also equip you with the, the skills you need: sales, recruiting, leadership, and and personal productivity and time management.
1: You know, it's a, it's a great read, and and you're so right. I, I remember thinking about you and I are about the same age, and I remember I went to an entrepreneurship camp when I graduated high school in '87, like right between my. Graduation and started my freshman year in college There was an entrepreneurship camp at the college I went to And you know They had a lot of great local entrepreneurs here The guy that started uh, Residence Inn And uh, Renaissance center And uh, Pizza Hut And uh, all these people were there And I remember thinking about You're right And, and it's almost like we're looking at the failure rate of entrepreneurs, and it was almost like a given. Like, hey, look, you know, you know 70% of you are going to fail, and, and you didn't really talk about the why. It was always about business and economics, like you said. You're right. The, the emotional piece of it, the, the kind of um, preparing yourself to slay the dragon every day, the internal dragon, is what I really find so refreshing about what you're doing. So that, that's exciting to me. Yeah. I love what you said in when the first chapter is like work is going to suck 95% of the time, but the other 5% is what's freaking awesome. And it's so true. You know, I think a lot of times when you go through these kind of entrepreneur journeys, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to do this. And I mean, of course, you've got the dreams or the visions of success. But it's a it's a truth that 95% of it really does kind of suck, right?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll tell you right now, I'm I'm in a a Marriott hotel room in in Dallas, Texas. Now, I I live in both South Beach and, and San Diego, Miami. And my wife is in South Beach right now, and I'm hauled up in a, in a hotel room here. Um, you know, I came from Vegas uh, where I was doing an event. Um, I, I forgot to pack uh, another pair of pants, so I had to run to the, the mall yesterday. I, had eight, I ate by myself last night, I ate breakfast by myself this, this morning. I'm having to crank out a bunch of. Uh, uh, projects that I, I'm really not that uh, interested in, but it, it's it's part of the process of what I need to to do and to get done. It's part of my a part of my business. I go from here to to another plane and train and automobile and hotel room hauled up somewhere else. You know, most people don't understand this. They they look at like a, a Bono and his life and you know, standing on stage rocking it out to tens of thousands of people or Oprah on the TV set, interviewing the Dalai Lama or Richard Branson, you know, doing a PR stunt with a naked model on his back, but they don't see the 95% of Bono laying on a uh, a couch on a tour bus, you know, eating at a diner <laughs> right. uh, in the middle of the morning, and and sitting backstage in a cold, dark, dismal backstage for for three hours, and and Oprah having to go through arduous meetings with attorneys and and to take meetings with 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 people and. You know, to to deal with HR issues and Richard Branson and and all the liability and the na- number of times he's named in a lawsuit that he had nothing to do with and, and just there's it. The reality is, is that um, that five percent. When I'm on stage or Bruno's on stage or Branson is pulling off another, that is awesome, and it's it makes all the other ninety five percent worth it, but. You've got to know that that ninety-five percent exists, and you're not going to be blissfully, passionately engaged in your business <laughs> every loving, moment, right? Loving right. it all the time. That's the, like that's the, the the myth that's that's propagated in our society. You got to love what you do. You got you got to be passionate for it. Well. The only reason why you need to actually kind of love what you do is so that you can drag your sorry ass <laughs> through 95% the ninety-five minutes yeah, that's going to suck, <laughs> and it will suck. Yeah, and, and you just have to grind it out. It, it's kind of like uh, uh, I, I, I walk into the gym a few, a few months back and I swipe my card and I'm walking away and the and the attendant at the front desk says, uh, "Have fun," and I turned to her and I said, "What? <laughs> <laughs> well, have fun," I said. You think I come here for fun? Right. I, I I freaking hate this place. Yeah. I hate every minute I walk through the, th- the threshold of the front door till, till the minute I walk out this the door. I hate this place. She says, "Well, why do you come here?" I said, "I come here for discipline, You're right? <laughs> I come <here> for fun. <laughs> I come here for the outcome, not for the journey, and not for the process." So, you know, uh, uh, Muhammad Ali had a great quote that uh, I think about often. He said, "I hated." every early morning workout i ever had but i loved being world champion yeah i think a lot of people think that they have to love every aspect of what it is they're doing or there's something wrong that is just not the way it is you will have to grind it out through a lot of arduous mundane unsexy uninteresting parts to get to that five percent that in itself is glorious it's magnificent it's it's what life was meant to be like the, the last, uh, Steve Wynn is, I think it's just an, an extraordinary, um, a, achiever, um, love, love, the guy's story and his whole passion and spirit. And he says, look, it, as an entrepreneur, there will be dark days. In fact, more dark days than there will be good days, right? But the good days are really friggin' good. (laughs)
1: Right, right. (laughs) But isn't that, that, I'm I'm coming to find out that's really in all aspects of life, right? I mean, I think, I mean, it's just, it is, it's not a playground, it is a battleground. And I think if you can become comfortable with the fact that it's a battleground and learn to enjoy it it doesn't it means yeah the 95% is going to suck but that 5% if you're going with it with intention with purpose and kind of tapped into what you're supposed to do on this planet then that 5% can be magical right
2: yeah yeah i always ask audiences you know what what is uh, common between what what's similar between people who are unsuccessful and people who are, are successful and the answer is is that they both hate to do what it takes to be successful right but successful people just do it anyway. And I think it's actually refreshing for unsuccessful people yeah, it to is. realize that successful people hate this crap too. Right. It's like, I had a friend of mine that became a vegetarian and another friend of mine says, oh, well, it's easier for you. You love vegetables. And he's like, no, I don't. Right? <laughs> like just like being healthy. And it was actually kind of an epiphany for the guy who, who was asking the question. He's like, oh. Well, you don't like it, but you're deciding to do it anyway. Yeah, because it's good for me. It's like, so you don't have to like it, but you still have to do it. And when you do, it, my, my mentor Jim Rohn would say, you know, in, in life, um, you will suffer one of two pains, which right there already tells you something great about life. You will suffer. And he says, but you get to choose your suffering, the, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And the pain of discipline weighs ounces, and the pain of regret weighs tons. And so if you're willing to just trade in the pain of discipline, doing the things you might not want to do so that you can get the things that you really want to get, then uh, life becomes um, a little bit more, I guess, understandable about the, the pathway to getting to the other side.
1: Yeah, and I, it, it's true. The you, know, you said the word epiphany there. I mean, even early on when I started um... – You know, having these conversations, I'm sure you've experienced this with all the successful people that you've, you know, interviewed, you've sat down with. I'm sure you've learned so much just from doing that. I know I have from doing this show. And I remember asking early on, um, Steve Forbes, and I asked him, I said, well, you know, at what point did you stop becoming afraid? And And he laughed and he says, I wake up every morning, you know, feeling like I'm not supposed to be in this space or some resistance telling him he doesn't belong in this space, but he works through it anyway. And then something profound always happens on the other side.
2: Yeah, because you know that there. I have found that to be the same uh, answer um, when I've asked that of, of people who think they are courageous and and um, you know you ask Richard Branson, even as Steve Jobs, uh, you know these people who look so brazen and so courageous all, all the time, and they all feel exactly as you just stated. And, and people ask me all the time, you know, how, how did you start out as, a, as an entrepreneur? And I say, well, I started out. As every entrepreneur starts out, I started out afraid, nervous, without a clue what to do or even what to expect as an entrepreneur. I had no prior experience, no training, no guidance, and, and so I mostly did it wrong. Got lots of skinned knees, lots of bloody noses, and bruises on my pride and ego. But it, but it's also how I kind of figured out how to do it right. Right? You know, my life personally has been uh, a living laboratory over the last several decades of trial error failure and some success mixed in there which is you know why I, I also wrote the book to try to help save would-be entrepreneurs and veteran entrepreneurs lots of those unnecessary headaches and heartaches and wallet aches and help try to significantly accelerate their success by trying to help them do it right the first time. but it, it really is the origin of every great success story you've ever read about. It all started out in uh, fear, nervousness, and without a clue.
1: Yeah, your book talks about you know six brain hacks to conquer fear. I love those. You, you want to talk about some of those? I mean, I love um, I love number three particularly, the twenty seconds of, of courage, and how you say courage is is overrated. Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, fear is is part. It's, it's built into our DNA. Uh, structure for the last two hundred thousand years, it was used to keep the reason why we've survived as, as a species is we have these these great fear uh, survival response mechanisms built into our nervous system, but it, that was built in at a time uh, over hundreds of thousands of years when there was real threats walking around our our, our neighborhoods, right? You know, mm, by right. a, a potential warring tribe or a, or a panther laying in the weeds, or you know, the uh, a, a lion or um, you know, all these threats that we had to be on constant alert and and uh, and have immediate response reactions. Well, the problem is, is that uh, we'll have all of those embedded fear mechanisms built into our system. But we're walking around in a modern society without the same threat levels. <laughs> right. So we're transposing them onto things that are inane, like we're afraid of the phone, like we're like we're literally <laughs> we, we, we have the nervous system response fear mechanism to the phone as we would to an approaching attacking lion right or we or we're afraid of, of a microphone and standing in front of a of a, a room full of people as if it's a warring tribe that's about to to rape and, and pillage your village or something and you know <laughs> right. it's it, it's inane or going over and introducing yourself to a stranger you, you know you just people become debilitated with with fear you're like like as if you're gonna walk over to a man-eating gorilla I mean it's it's, it's so we' we're, we're the the look I'm in front of a computer here that seems to have an iOS up update um you know every third Tuesday and yet as a operating system as a species we haven't had an iOS update in two hundred thousand years <laughs> right. we're operating on some really old software right right so the reality is is that you can't you can't fix that. You you can't uh, you know uproot your your natural normal fear response systems. But what you can do is hack it. And and the the one you're referring to, which is twenty seconds of courage, is that uh, you know courage is not the absence of fear. It is feeling the fear and and doing it anyway, stepping right. into it. And you don't have to live courageously. In fact, you can live ninety nine point nine eight percent of the time as an absolute powered right (laughs) if you if you just know the few things that you need to do to uh, progress on your goals and it could be making prospecting calls it could be introducing yourself to a a stranger it could be walking up to the front of the room and start uh speaking in front of a small group whatever it is that is the block to you achieving your great goal that because you have some fear based on it and just first off no Fear is okay. Fear is normal. You're a human being. You're going to experience fear. If you feel fear, that does not make you inferior. It makes you a human. Right. That's <laughs> right. normal. Okay? So instead, feel the fear and it only takes 20 seconds. The great thing about the, the, the brain is, is that um, as soon as it realizes that it's not under this transposed uh, threat uh, uh, danger, um, it will calm down. A, a great example of that is um, Seymour Epstein of the University of Massachusetts took some novice uh, uh, skydivers up in a plane and as, you know, put, put heart monitors on them. And as expected, as the plane went up higher and higher and higher, their heart rate went higher and higher and higher as their nervousness and fear grew and grew and grew. And then when they were pushed out the door of the plane and they were plummeting to the earth, within a matter of 10 to 20 seconds, their heart rate dropped precipitously. And um, they started to actually experience joy. Um, right. Once they realized that they were under the, the safety of the, the – the, in the canopy of the uh, parachute, um, their heart rate dropped precipitously. So they didn't actually fear the activity. They feared the anticipation of the activity. Right, And that's the reality of a phone call and a, standing in front of a microphone or introducing yourself to a stranger. You're actually not – afraid of the activity, because the activity is, there's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, but your anticipation of the fear of that activity is what grips us, which is the reason why the, the, the great quote, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself, because the fear of, of the fear is what actually uh, is what stops us. Yep. So in 20 seconds, you could say, okay, I'm afraid to introduce myself to that person in 20 you can in in 20 seconds if you just shut your brain down walk over to that person stick your hand out and say hi my name is i've always wanted to meet you and shake that person's hand as soon as you start engaging in the conversation with that person and your brain realizes oh hey this person is not going to eat us (laughs) (laughs) Your, your heart rate drops or you're afraid to make that phone call You know you're not sure what they're going to say. You're going to feel rejected, unaccepted. Is this going to be the end of your career? Blah blah blah. Shut your brain off. Pick up the phone, punch the numbers, and then say hi. I'm calling the follow up. Blah 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 blah. And you own it only takes 20 seconds
0: to complete
2: to engage. And then once you're engaged, the brain goes, "Oh, we're not going to die," and fear is is dissipated. So. Take the things that are, more important, are most important for you to do to achieve your goals. And if you are just a, a courageous for 20 seconds, three times a day, imagine if you did every day three things that you're afraid of day after day upon day after day. How, how much you would break through uh, because people spend their whole days trying to avoid one instance of right. fear and if you actually stepped into the thing that you fear three times and again we're talking about a totality of a minute a
1: minute yeah um it would you
2: it would it would boggle your mind how much progress you could make in, in your life because and I'll, and I'll, and I'll finish with this the only thing that stops people from reaching their true potential because people are not living up to their potential their their current results and even if they are successful or truthful with them, with themselves is only a fraction of what they're truly capable of, what they were bestowed in terms of capabilities and gifts by their creator versus what they're utilizing and their current results is embarrassing. And it's only a fraction. And the only thing that stops them from realizing that potential is fear. Yep. That's, that's it. And so if you can find a way to hack your brain, and this is one of those ways, so that you just turn it off for 20 seconds, step into it, and you do that three times a day, day after day, it's, it's unbelievable what you can accomplish and how much you'll separate yourself from your contemporaries and uh, and those that are in your quote unquote competitive landscape.
1: Yeah, I love that. You know, it's so true when you break it down to that perspective. It just look, we're doing it three times a day. That's a minute, and so many profound things could happen. You know, yeah. I I do believe that if it's making your gut tight, your throat tighten up, whatever, that's a barometer. Of probably what you should be doing. And if you can just, like you said, twenty seconds work through it, something profound is going to happen the other side. That's what's so exciting about it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. How did it start for you? you know, I love you, you. You know, give a little sense of the beginnings. You know, you, you're. I um, you grew up essentially. Your dad raised you by himself. Your dad was kind of a, a hard ass from what I what i read and understand. And um, what kind of gave you the entrepreneurial spirit?
2: Well, yeah, I, I was um, raised by a single father who was a university football coach, and um, you know, I, I, I my dad he parented like he coached football you know, right, right. Like no whining no crying lots of no no excuses lots of yelling lots of lots of cursing and uh and and, and that instilled in me a um, um, a discipline you know i uh, the way you got love and attention in in my household was to achieve and it so it made me ambitious it made me goal oriented and it made me want to achieve in order to get love and appreciation from, uh, from my father. And so those things are very positive, um, things. And, you know, he made me believe that I can, I could beat anybody at anything if I just outwork and outlast and stay consistent. And it didn't matter somebody's skill, experience, talent, background, what have you. And so those were really good formative, uh, principles. And the, the thing I have to credit entrepreneurship to was, my dad's mentor, who was his uh, college football coach, because my grandfather was an employee for 47 years, uh, loyal and, uh, he worked at a creamery, um, Berkeley farms in the in the Bay area and retired on a pension that he could barely afford to live off of. And my dad, you know, saw his dad be an employee. And so his dad, he was going to be an employee. He's going to be a football coach or in a, a professor and, you know, he's going to, take a wage like his father did that's all he knew but my my dad's mentor got into real estate um and kept asking my dad to join him into in real estate my dad at that point had three kids and a runaway freight train for a wife financially and Ford couldn't afford to just sort of jump off and 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 do this and and so he told him no told him no but my dad's mentor was was a very charismatic persistent relentless guy and my dad finally said i'll I'll try it on the you know weekends I'll help you with open houses and that became sometimes also the weekends and, and nights and and then my dad started earning more money uh, part time than he was earning full time and that gave him the comfort to kind of transition into real estate full time so instead of me watching my father be an employee as I grew up, I got the chance to watch my father be an entrepreneur wow. as I grew up, so the only thing I wanted to ever be was an entrepreneur the wow. idea of being an employee at that point didn't seem to be sensible at all, but it would have been reversed if my dad's mentor hadn't set the example. And so he really changed the trajectory of our family forever because yeah. he pushed and prodded my dad into entrepreneurship. You
1: saw that transformation of your father. What? Well, that's a gift. That's really cool that you saw that.
2: And so what I – it's one of the other reasons why I've committed so much to this mission of trying to onboard 10 million new entrepreneurs over the next three years who succeed – because Les Davis was my dad's mentor, changed our family's future forever, changed my life. I would not have the life I have today if it hadn't been for Les Davis prodding my father and changing my father's path and that being my reference point for what was possible for me. And so I know the power of uh, a mentor, uh, of somebody that pushes and prods and helps and guides and gets someone started along this this you know difficult as well as right. scary uh, journey. And to think that, man, you know, if I just take some of the skills, gifts, and experience that I've got and, and, and help empower, um, let alone one, but maybe 10 million new entrepreneurs, think about the trajectory of lives and families that are forever changed because of that. So that, that, that's how it all sort of began for, for me.
1: You know, and, and there's no better time, really. I mean, uh, you're more tapped into this than me. I'm, I'm, I consider myself a newbie to the entrepreneurial entrepreneurship front. And every day I'm finding out more and more things. But I do feel, despite the negativity, it seems things are teetering out of control. But on the other hand, it does seem like there's so many, there's more opportunities than ever for somebody to be uh, an entrepreneur or kind of define their own destiny. More so yeah. than 50 years ago. I mean, for sure, even 20 years ago.
2: More so than five years ago. Yeah. Ten years ago. I mean, no, no. There's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur in the history of humanity than right now and maybe never again too because we're experiencing this massive shift between the industrial age that's that that's crumbled down and the and the, the digital age and and the what it, empowerment that creates where a few used to own control They had control of access. They had control of access to the marketplace, the shelf space, the distribution channels. They had access to the advertising uh, marketplace. They had access to talent. They had access to capital. And it was exclusive to the few at the top of the ivory towers. Technology has obliterated all those access points. And now we have... Access to a global marketplace at our fingertips. Access to crowdsourcing funding and 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 talent accessible virtually from all over the world. I mean, the the game has. There's been a tectonic plate shift that is. It, we'll look back in history as this was the transitional moment that really was the 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 new burgeoning front frontier for entrepreneurship and. Uh, I'll just give you a, a very direct example. I started a company in um, ninety nine two thousand, and I raised over three and a half million dollars to 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 build that company. And today, I could start that same company on the same technology with the same platform that we built for five to ten thousand dollars. Wow! This is this is the difference between today and, and two thousand. Wow! And, and so um, it is. It's everything is more accessible. And everything is far more financially efficient as well. And the the other thing is, is that because of that, so say somebody's got a job right now. They literally could start something on the side with very little money. And because of access to uh, the marketplace through uh, digital advertising as well as through social media um, community building, mechanisms. They can test that model and prove and prove that it works as well as prove that it scales on the side for very little part time. Th- those kind of initiatives that that you couldn't do that part time. You couldn't do that with very little funding. Um even like, five to 8 years ago yeah. it wasn't as accessible as as it is right now. And so these are I mean the glorious the most glorious times ever to step into entrepreneurship and we will always see the progression of technology and things getting faster and more efficient. But, but this, this changeover basically kind of takes the Monopoly board and wipes it clean. Yeah. And now everybody's got, got a chance to reclaim Park Place and Broadway and, and, and all the rest of those because the, you know, these new um, – the, 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 the new dynamics of the marketplace are just beginning to form.
1: Yeah, it is exciting. It is, it's, it's truly exciting. And I, and I don't think if I would have, if I hadn't pursued the entrepreneurial path, I wouldn't have seen it as clearly. And for sure. Because I, I, there's so many people that are making dents in the universe that you never hear about, the, the mass people don't hear about. And there's so yeah. many people making tremendous strides in, in huge dents, like I said, in the universe. Well, that's exciting. It's refreshing to hear that from you. I mean, what excites you the most about, say, the next 20 years?
2: Well, what 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 excites me the most is what we just talked about the the ability to empower and onboard new entrepreneurs um, who succeed. Right? That that's the that's the caveat. Who succeed? There's plenty. That a bit of my fear is that we do have millions of people moving into entrepreneurship by either inspiration. Because here's the other deal: when I started out as an entrepreneur, it wasn't cool to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, it. it in fact, if you're an entrepreneur, that basically told. Uh, that was a statement to society that you weren't smart enough to get into the good schools and you weren't talented enough to get a good job. Right, And so you became an entrepreneur, quote unquote, because, you know, you couldn't do it uh, the societally accepted way. So you were kind of a, Kind of your counter uh, counter culture and 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 so forth, but with the Zuckerbergs, the Airbnbs, the Ubers, the Silicon Valley stories, it has become cool. And this is a people don't realize this. This is a recent phenomenon. The last five to eight years has been has entrepreneurship has been rebranded to be somewhat cool. The 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 millennial market sort of uh, lifestyle uh, yeah. Maturing um, has made that uh, a, a, a much cooler thing to be. So by inspiration, we've got millions of people pouring into entrepreneurship. Also by desperation because a lot of those jobs that, that went away during the recession, they're not coming back because companies have figured out how to do more with less. They've outsourced. They, they've they created efficiencies. And um, you know we are seeing a reversion. This country started as an entrepreneurial country. I mean, every guy that signed the Declaration of Independence was an entrepreneur. They had their own farms, trades, or businesses, or law practices. They were all entrepreneurs. Ninety percent of the population, at the point, were self-employed, if some by by some uh, uh, source. But yet the industrial age came and it reversed it one hundred percent. Um, well, now, with the deconstruction of that and technology making access um, uh, points uh, available to everybody, we're we're seeing an exact reversion to where there will be more independent contractor um, and self-employment and entrepreneurship. So, by desperation, because those jobs aren't there, so so we've got millions and millions of people moving into entrepreneurship, but they are not. Ready? They are not prepared. They are not equipped. They don't have any idea what they're about to experience, and the skills that they're going to need to succeed at it. And so, we already have a two-thirds failure rate. But then we've got millions of those that are novice, novice, like they they didn't even. Choose the courage to, so to speak, in a counterculture to step out of the herd to move into this environment, which kind of put them in a different position of preparedness. But now we've got people just running into it, and and you know the failure rate uh, could could skyrocket. So what has me fired up and has me passionate is to try to equip, try to prepare, and try to help all these uh, people who seek this as, uh, which I encourage. As their pathway to the future of taking self responsibility for their destiny and for their financial future, in entrepreneurship, but help them succeed uh, and prevent some of that um, those mistakes that could cause failure and heartache.
1: Well, I appreciate you doing this. I mean, you know, as I still consider myself a newbie entrepreneur, and every day I'm just constantly pushing forward and surrounding myself with like minded folks and listening and learning from folks like you. and And it is encouraging. It's refreshing, and to, for you to speak the truth that you do in all the work that you do, and and for that. Personally, I thank you uh, for what you're doing. You know, I I find myself, um, particularly over the last three years, and uh, I've moved less away from it. But I find myself trying to emulate or just kind of follow uh, the easy trap of kind of falling into someone else's else's dreams or or comparing myself. That's the comparison trap is what I fall myself or find myself falling into all the time. Where it's like, wow, you know, I, I look. This guy's successful and I'm not. I must really suck. You know, those type of things come into my mind. What are your thoughts on that?
2: What people do is they compare people's front of stage with their back of stage reality. So when we see uh, most people's stories, we see their polished press release. We see the outcome of their great success story. But what we don't see is the uh, the brutal backstage uh, part of their either life or uh, of the path that they took to get there. So, don't emulate uh, somebody's success. Emulate somebody's journey. Yeah. And that journey of uh, trial, error, failure, headache, heartache, um, overcoming uh, doubt, uh, pers- getting up off their 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 rump and. Uh, going at it again, you know, em- emulate the the journey, not the 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 destination, the outcome. And 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 when you and it's like um, yeah. I, I did a um, uh, a lecture on this thing in particular, which is you, you know you you want to model the process, not model the outcome, because you can't model the outcome. You can't model the outcome of of a Richard Branson or a uh, Howard Schultz of Starbucks or Jeff Bezos of Amazon. But you can emulate their process. And their process was tough. I mean, you know, Howard Schultz came from uh, government-subsidized housing projects in Brooklyn. You know, Jeff Bezos left a very high-paid, high-glamorous uh, Wall Street uh, hedge fund job to take on this very risky um, newbie idea and, and uh, Jeff Bezos has had a numerous number of failures what people don't realize is the number of times that Jeff Bezos and, and Amazon have failed and iterated, I mean Jeff Bezos is personally responsible for a billion dollars in failed experiments and he, that's what he calls them, experiments and he says look, you know, you're, you're going to have to experiment, you're going to have to try lots of things and most of them are not going to work and the one or two that work are going to pay for all the failed experiments. But the only way in which to flex your your your, your progress is to experiment faster, which means that you're going to have an your number of failures. But you're also going to end up getting to figuring out which ones are going to succeed. And he says as long as you can survive that the, the, the time duration, you've got um, – through the failures to figure out the ones that are going to succeed. That's the only, that's the only thing you've got to govern is to be sure that you can, uh, live to fight another day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, or, or what Branson says is like, you know, don't bet the house. Don't, don't let a decision or, or a bet you're making, uh, that if you're wrong, have you living in your car, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, protect the downside. Yeah. And, and so, um, you, if you really study their their true journey, their 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 path to getting to the success that you uh, like and, and are tantalized by, um, and most of that is an emotional journey that they went through. You know that that's what's what to emulate. Don't emulate you know emulate their backstage <laughs> process, not their front of stage persona today.
1: Right. Well, and you know, and it has to be tapped into your purpose and what, what's authentically you, you know what I mean? Instead of kind of chasing the influencers and trying to emulate exactly what they do, find what, find what your true voice is or find what your true purpose is or what you're put on. And I think it, it, it is that whole series of trial and error and fail and try and repeat, you know, repeat that process. One of my favorite parts of the book, you mentioned your, your, um, your father's, uh, mentor, uh, that he called coach, you guys called coach, but, um, when you went and saw him that last time yeah. you know, he gave you that, you know, don't miss the point. Uh, yeah. T- talk to me about that.
2: Yeah. So uh, my dad's mentor was, uh, he was, he came from Arkansas, one of nine, uh, grew up poor, abject poverty. And, and he was a tough, tough country guy. And, and, uh, he, um, he succeeded at a brute force and to him, life was a hand to hand combat battle and you're, um, your score sheet was your bank account and he accumulated i think i don't remember the number it was either 400 or 900 uh units of real estate and amassed a big pile of cash and you know he was very successful financially and uh he ended up um getting cancer and uh i was in the bay area and my dad was going to go see him and he asked me to to drive up to where he was to 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 pay a visit and we did and um it ended up being, I guess, a week or or so before he ended up uh, passing away. But we went up there, and we he had a hospital bed in his in his room, and um, we just sort of reflected on old stories and you know the glory days, and funny, and laughed and, and talked and so forth. And we finished up after about an hour. We're, we're headed out the door, and I was following my dad to the car. And uh, just as I was about to approach the front door, I hear this, Darren, Darren. And it was Les Davis. And he was calling me back to the room. And I thought there was something wrong. So I kind of rushed in there and I put my hand on the, the, the hospital bed rails. And I leaned over and I said, Les, are you, are you OK? And it was the first time he pulled his head up off the pillow the whole the whole day. And he grabbed my forearm and he pulled himself up. And he looked me sternly in the eye, like only Les Davis could do with these just intense eyes. And it's the most life I had seen in him the the whole visit. And he got close to me, and he said, "Don't miss the point." And he squeezed my arm and and, uh, and i said what what do you mean what do you mean Les?" And he clasped back in his bed and he said, "You know, uh, I thought that the aim of life was to 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 succeed and to you know accumulate wealth, and he said, "I wish I'd spent as much time accumulating relationships as I had." houses. And I wish I'd uh, made deposits in, emotionally into the people that I loved and care for it as much as I made deposits into the bank account. And he said, in the end, don't miss the point. And um, he made me promise. And I said, yeah, coach, I I hear you. And, you know, I really, at the moment, I was just kind of startled and didn't really know what to think, just sort of took it in without really processing it. But it, it haunted me for it's still to this day (laughs) as I tell you this story, um, because he was right. I mean, I saw this guy and, and admired and, and, um, revered him as, uh, an achiever and all the rest of this. And here he was uh, on his deathbed come to find out. And in the end he missed the whole point. Like he focused on the wrong thing his whole life. And, uh, and it was too late and he didn't want me to, uh, to, to miss that same point. And so whenever I feel like, you know, my mentor, Jim Rohn would say, be careful what you, uh, what you give up in the pursuit of what it is that you, uh, think you want, because you might be giving up the thing you, you most wanted. And, and so whenever I feel like I might be, my ambition might be sort of driving me out of my life, out of the things that I've decided are most important, truly, um, to not let my ambition get the best of me. And uh, and overobligate me so that then I'm burdened to not be able to have the same either capacity or uh, presence or time available to the things that I have stated are most important to me in life. And and so to keep the point center. <laughs>
1: yeah, well that's powerful. As we wrap up here, kind of t- segue into that. I always like to ask people, you know, who their heroes were, and if you had the opportunity to have this night. Where you could invite five people, live or dead, to have this awesome dinner conversation, just a night, whole night of conversation with people that you just so greatly admire. Right now, who would they be?
2: Well, first was my father. Um, you know, he took me on as a single father at 23 years of age, and we grew up together. And um, you know, he he was he was he was tough, and and but he you know he took care of responsibilities and was, uh, in, embedded in me, uh, a lot of, uh, things that make me who I am, no doubt. Uh, second is my mentor, Jim Rohn, the, probably the second most influential man in my life. Uh, his influence is indelible and, and kind of took me from, um, the discipline, uh, upbringing my father gave, gave me and Jim sort of helped me craft my philosophy and my character and the attributes that were most important to to being a an influential leader and communicator and um and so forth and so jim would be the other another would would be les davis he he did have uh through my father a a a great influence and another would be ayn rand um oh yeah discovered her work you know in a very pivotal place and the sort of growth of it was one of the first times that I realized, Oh my God, somebody else thinks like this. Right. You know, right. I felt validated for yeah. I thought I was weirdo and a nut job and, and I felt sort of, um, that I was the oddball. Is was like, Oh man, no, I, this, this, this is so validating that, that yes, yeah, maybe, maybe this is, maybe I'm not weird that, that other people think like this. So, that would be my group and then you know there's there's always the other characters of history who you would admire you know be at the lincolns of the yeah yesteryear and so forth
1: i love the the first one that said ann ran and that would be great i'd love to sit down with her too that's a good yeah. that's a good list and i love the fact that it's so personal i love it when when guests make it so personal having the father jim your mentor jim Rohn and and les davis yeah yeah thank you for that My gosh, it's been, you know, almost 45 minutes we've been talking and I could talk to you for another hour or so. I love what you do, uh, Darren. Uh, Congratulations on the new book. Um, You got some other resources you want to share with our listeners. How can people reach out to you and and talk about the white paper? Again, here's your chance to to let us know how we can connect with you more.
2: Yeah, so we'll make the white paper available to your audience to be able to download for free Um, and so not only do you get the, 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 the white paper itself, but, uh, I walk you through, uh, each of the eight mistakes and, and how to interpret them into, uh, your real world business and, and make sure that you avoid those mistakes. So you just go to eight tragic the number eight tragicmistakes.com. You can download the white paper and then, uh, it'll, it'll send you the, the, the video series that uh, walks you through it. Um, and then one of the other things that, uh, that I do. It's it's a, it's a non-profit effort for me. It's part of my give back program, 20-year anniversary of the relationship between uh, when I met my mentor, Jim Rohn, and it's where um, it's called Darren Daily, and I send you a uh, one idea to just sort of jumpstart your day every morning. It's under five minutes, something that you can uh, read, watch, or listen to, and it's just one little sort of aha trigger just to sort of set the mindset for the day. Have it while you're you know, watch it or listen to it or read it while you're having coffee or your smoothie or tea in the morning and it kind of just sort of gets get your day started and that's uh that's totally free Darrendaily.com.
1: darren awesome stuff i'll have links to all this uh, on the post when it's available i appreciate you coming on the show thanks for taking the time and your busy schedule to
0: share this with my audience i really appreciate it thank you richard i enjoyed it He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense you can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com